Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 12. I'm reading out of the ESV this Sunday morning. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant, someone say, I'm covered by the blood because he shed it for me. Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today, say today, Today. say right now, now. I declare that I will restore to you double. That's just enough right there. Turn to someone and tell them, God will give you double for your trouble. God will give you double for your trouble. I want you to high-five somebody and tell them, let's have church this Sunday morning. Amen. After you do that, you can be seated. Again, once again, a great big God bless you and welcome to all of our guests. We have guests that are here from out of state. We have people that are still, that are traveling this week. We have people that are here on a, come on a regular basis. Whoever you are, whatever you're from, whatever you're doing. We want to say, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Let's get all of our guests and first-time guests a round of applause. One more time. It's also good to have the Supers with us this Sunday morning. Um, This portion of Scripture in Zechariah was a reference to the captivity of Babylon. It's kind of unique Scripture because in this portion of Scripture, He referenced and said prisoners of hope. Now, a prisoner of hope is someone who is in prison, but yet knows there's going to be a great deliverance. So that's why, in most references, most scholars will actually take this, and as Zechariah gives the the all call to Israel and says, um, have hope, I'm sending the deliverer, I'm sending the king. And we all know that was a prophetic word referencing Jesus on what we call Palm Sunday or the great triumphal uh, entrance into Jerusalem when he came in. We reference that and know that's when Jesus came in. He came in on on, on a donkey and he was greeted with palm branches. And so it's prophetic, but yet in Israel's state, the reference is actually speaking to them out of a place of captivity, Still still in bondage, to the Babylonian rule and still but yet in their home of Jerusalem they're in Jerusalem 
So when you look at this caption and you see everything that takes place, God has given them hope. And then he tells them that you are a prisoner of hope. Uh, many scholars, again, would reference this to, the, to all of us as, as sinners become saints, as a hope to come, knowing that there's a heaven to gain, a hell to shun, an earth that's temporary. In this world, uh, no matter how much God you have, it almost seems that because of this fleshly nature and, and, our, and our humanity and, you know, and things we face, uh, many times God doesn't take us out of problems. He becomes uh, and, and empowers us to make our problems fear us. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, God doesn't remove mountains most of the time. He removed them miraculously. He said mountains could refer to things that are in your life that need to be stepped out of the way uh, and removed by speaking the word, having the faith of a, of a mustard seed. You can see God move a mountain. But how many of you agree that many times God hasn't removed the mountain? He gave you the strength to climb it, right? Some mountains were meant to be climbed. Some mountains were meant to be cast. But regardless of the situation, we're still in our humanity. So you and I will be referred to as prisoners of hope because we are still in this earth and this earthen vessel, but yet we have a heaven to gain one day. And our hope is in the hope to come. So there is a, there is a, a reference to us in this portion of scripture. But the exciting part about this is, is that when he said that Jesus would come when the prophecy would be fulfilled, that he would give us a double portion. Double. Hebrews chapter 11 says that the prophets, the patriarchs, all those that preceded us, that sought for a city whose kingdom, whose, whose city, whose builder and maker was God himself. Those, those patriarchs, those patriarchs like David, like Abraham, all of them, Jacob, all of them would not be complete without us. So we are the ones who are the recipients of the double portion. We are the Elijahs of the Elijahs. You and I are the ones who have, you see, before you were a John the Baptist, but we have known him. Although we haven't seen him, we have light of him and we understand him. We are recipients of the born again experience. We have his spirit and his blood in our veins. We are the children of the most high God. We have been redeemed by his precious blood. We, you and I, have influence with Almighty God because we, in the eyes of God, are known and seen as the children of God. And this is what even John looked at and said, There comes a man who is mightier than I, who sues latches, I'm not able to unloose. But he will come and he will baptize you with fire. 
He will baptize you with a spirit, and his spirit shall dwell inside of you. Jesus himself said, he said that I'm with you now, and we called him Emmanuel, God with us, but he said, I shall be in you. So, so does anybody have Jesus today? Well, let me ask you this way. Let me ask you this way. Does Jesus ha have you this Sunday morning? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I've got it. I've got it. So, so the key factor in Elijah receiving something from Elijah was as long as he kept his eyes on him and experienced his departure, then he would receive something that no one else had. And in his life, he received a double portion. For every miracle, study it. You go and examine it yourself. For every miracle that Elijah did, Elisha experienced double. Eight notable miracles in his lifetime, eight notable miracles at least in the scriptures, 16 according to the scriptures in Elisha's life. Jesus said this about us. He said, greater the work shall you do because I go to the Father. And I don't believe in such, uh, that word greater, I don't really believe that it's in more of reference to, um, you know, if Jesus walked on water, then we're going to run on water or something like that, right? Top what Jesus did. I don't think that was the, 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 the reference. I don't think that's what he was trying to say. I do believe he was trying to say greater in quantity. Greater in quantity. To do more. Because Jesus didn't have as much time as you and I have. He was limited in time. His whole expectation was to put into the disciples. So those disciples who then became apostles, they were the ones who were the Elishas, who kept their eyes on their Elijah, if you will. And they saw his departure. And they were given first. They were the recipients of that double portion on the day of Pentecost. And as they received that, then they went out into the world and they shared the good news. And as they shared the good news of the gospel, the kingdom of God, the fact that Jesus gave his life for our sins and that we could inherit that city whose builder and maker was God. How many of you are so thankful for the kingdom of God? How many of you understand that concept? The kingdom of God. It's God's spirit. It's synonymous with Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ. It's where the king reigns. That's why it's called a kingdom, because it's where the king reigns from. And then you and I today are nothing more than a result of what happened over that many years ago, over 2,000 years ago. We are recipients, and that message and that experience has kept on going and you and I have not received anything less or more than what the apostles had. You have the experience of the second portion of your life here right now. So when things go awry, awry things don't go right for you and I. There is something on the inside of us that can restore everything you've lost. There is something on the inside. You've heard the expression, I've heard the expression, if life hands you lemons, then make what? Lemonade. 
right? If life's, <laughs> here's another way of saying it for all of my Latinos out there. If life throws you rice, then make ochata. Yeah. Just joking. If life throws rocks at you, build a wall, right? Build a house. We've heard the expression. There's not one time in our life that any one of us has ever had a setback, a disappointment. Then all of a sudden, God seems to come through and bless you. Everything that's been building up seems to be in reference to God setting us up for something good, right? Well, even though the devil may throw lemons at you, for lack of better expression and phrase, God is the one who makes lemonade out of it, okay? He's the one that does it. He is the one that sets us up. God himself in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 said, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when God does it, I promise you, God does it in style when God works everything out for your good. God does everything right. God is a classy God. Let me just tell you, God is a first-class God. When God blesses you, God blesses you right. God doesn't just halfway bless you. God bless you overflowing, pressing together, running over. God blesses you. I know that every single time there's a problem that comes into my life, there's an expectation of a double portion coming in right after that. And I'm going to explain that concept, and it's biblical. But every believer, every single person that's in this building, you need to realize this. There is nothing, no one, or any situation that can hold down the blessing and the blesser that abides inside of your life. That's Jesus Christ. Hey, look at the Bible. Look in the Scripture. Hell could not keep Jesus down in the New Testament. Hell could not stop him from doing the will of God. Hell could not touch him. Hell could not stop him from even paying his taxes. All he had to do was say, Peter, go to the sea, find a fish, Open his mouth, and there it's going to be. Come on, somebody. Your God is a miraculous God. I find it ironic that Peter, being a businessman in that industry as a fisherman, how God used that fish to reference where his blessing was going to come from. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a soul believer, and uh, you may disagree with me, but I encourage every single person to have a vineyard that God can bless or have a, a field that God can bless in your own life or a business that God can bless in your own life that there's no limitations to. I believe that God will use that venue. See, when we pray for God, I'm, I'm getting off track just for a moment, but I always insert this for people and encourage them, especially our business owners, because I have a really, really strong passion for business owners. But many times we pray, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God make something happen. Lord, I need something. And then we don't give him anything to bless, and we give him only something that is limited and has ceilings on it. Now, God can remove ceilings. He can. But in the structure that man has designed, there's a cap on that. 
But whenever you design something and you erect something that God's blessed you to do, there are no limitations. And God could take it up higher. So I don't care what you do. I don't care what it is. I don't care what your strength is. It doesn't matter. Give God something he can bless. And God can reference in your life. So he told Peter, go to the, go to the sea and go get the, the money out of the fish's mouth. And that's where, a lot, that's where they pay their taxes. And so, so God can find different ways to bless you, but you have to allow God to use you to create the avenue. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you get it? Okay, I'm off of that. But let me continue here. Job. Job was blessed. Job was an example Job was minding his own business and God's business. He caught the attention of God and caught the attention of Satan. Where where God tells the devil, you know the story, have you considered my servant Job? And he goes out and he begins to look at his life and he said, you know, they they were bargaining about, Job was a negotiation, right? He was they were, they were talking about how they can try Job and how, how God was so confident in Job's heart because he knew his heart. He wouldn't defile God. He wouldn't defile himself with speaking uh, uh, you know, like most of us would do. I've done it before. I've blamed God. I've been upset with God before. I've questioned God before. I can't say I've been a Job. I just can't say that I have been a Job. I can say that I have failed at times in my life and questioned God and asked why. If even if that was the most of it, I just said, why, God? But, you know, in the case of that, but I would add a little bit more. You said, right? You promised. (laughs) You, are you ready for this one? Don't judge me now. Look at your life. You lied to me. Oh, please. Most of you, you, I've heard you talk. So Job's wife comes up to him and says, you still hold on to your integrity, curse God and die. And he looked at her and said, you speak like a foolish woman. You speak like a foolish woman. I'm not going to do that. And then, then the scripture says that his friends, three friends, right, that came and accused him and were constantly badgering him and telling him, you did this, you must have done this wrong. You must not be living right. Don't you hate that religious attitude of, oh, my God, something bad happened. They must be living in sin. (laughs) Job had to go through it. Job had to experience it. But let me give you the secret to a double portion. After Job was vindicated, I think vindication is a good word, after he was vindicated, It was after he prayed for his friends. How many of you have some haters in your life? How many of you can just literally cut and carve some time out of your busy, busy schedule just for those people, whoever those people may be? You may not have haters. You may be a great, you know, friend to everyone. You've probably never done something wrong to anybody. You probably, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what it is, but I do believe if you're not, if you don't have haters, you're not getting anything done. Because listen, and you're not getting noticed either. 
You don't get noticed until you walk the opposite direction of the crowd. Right? And God's will doesn't always align up with humanity's will and the world's will. So, so if you are following God, you're going to have haters. Jesus said himself, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Because he's following the will of God, and his ways are above our ways, right? His, his thoughts are above our thoughts, right? So even Jesus was on the cross, and he said this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Job did, and after that, read the Bible. Here's the one thing that Job said. He said, I abhor myself. Out of all that he went through, out of all that he experienced, it came down to one thing. He knew himself. He focused on becoming better. It's amazing. And so he prayed for his friends. He prayed for his family. And that's when God gave him double of what he lost. I think what God waits for most of the time in our life is to become better and not become bitter. Not to become, not to become bigger, but to become better. Not to compare, but only be led as the best reference you can have in your entire life, Jesus Christ. Not to care what everyone else thinks. That doesn't mean that you have an attitude of, oh, I don't care what you think. Right? Remember the 90s saying, talk to the hand. My kids hate it when I reference the 90s and the 80s. But when you know that the only opinion, in fact, really, it's not really the opinion from God, it's a truth from God, it's a fact from God, and truth is not a thing, truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the, 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 the way, the light, the truth. Truth is a person, and when you can understand that all that matters is what he thinks, whatever problem you're going through, whatever your situation may be, if you stay focused on the author and the finisher of your faith, you're always going to end up where God wants you to be. Always. Always. So we reference Job. Sometimes it's not just quantity. Job got double. Sometimes it's quality. Because look at the life of David. David. David did wrong. David made a mistake. Sometimes it's not always the other person. And it's not always the devil. Don't give him credit for every single bad thing that happens in your life. Sometimes it's you making a bad decision, right? Oh, my God, the devil's attack. He's just attacking our finances, and we don't know what to do with him. No, he's not. You don't have a budget. You don't have a budget. It's not the devil. It's you. Oh, my God, the devil, he, man, the devil just hitting me all day, and I don't know what to do no more. It's not the devil. You're buying too many tacos, man. I don't. 
<laughs> right? I walked into Uncle Mutt's last night. He's taquito friendly. I walked in to make the guy laugh that was behind the bar. I said, hey, heard you guys were taquito friendly. He goes, what? I said, I'm just joking with you, man. It's not, it's, not, it's not the devil most of the time. It's just us not having a, don't hate me now. I'm just trying to help, okay? I'm just here to help. I'm just a friend. I'm a friend. It's bad decision making. David made a bad decision, right? But God in his infinite mercy. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. So David had a child with Bathsheba, right? God took that child. He lost it. He had trouble. But he gave him a son after that. And his name was Solomon. And he was the wisest man that had ever walked on this earth outside of Jesus Christ. And more blessed than anyone else, kingly, kingship-wise. Sometimes when God blesses you and he gives you double for your trouble, it's not in quantity, sometimes it's in quality. The first thing I want to tell you, and I've only got two points, so I'm going to give you the first one. God intends for you to have more than before. Always, anytime you go through anything and God restores you, he's going to give you more than before. Here's the word for somebody that I wanted to tell you. When I was praying about this and seeking God about this, you know, the word that God spoke to me to give to you was, get ready because he's fixing to restore you with double. No, hear me, hear me, hear me. I still... We still function in the gifts. Sometimes it's just at a, this level of, of God just reaching out and touching the multitude and not just one-on-one all the time. The gifts flow up here, people. The gifts flow. If you have faith and you're receiving, you're hungry, I'm telling you, God will feed you. God will give you what you need. But I'm telling somebody and more than just one person that everything you have been through, everything you've been going through, you have had been so discouraged about things not working out the way you thought they were going to work out or flow as smoothly as you thought they were going to flow. But if you'll just learn how to find Jesus in the middle of all of that, not to vindicate you, but to love on you and fix yourself, I promise you, you're fixing to be restored. Restoration is in this house here this Sunday morning. God is fixing to restore everything that the palmer worm, the caker worm, the locust, and all that have come to eat up your harvest, God's going to give you double. And you have weeped and weeped, and it has endured to the morning, but joy is coming right now, and you will joyfully run with your sheaves in your hand. Woo! Somebody go, woo! God is in this place. God intends for you to have more than what you had before, always, always. When you have more than before, your life goes beyond yourself. God doesn't want to just bless you. Are you like, I want you to catch this. Your life was never meant to just be blessed and contained for yourself, ever, ever. Your life was meant to be blessed so you can take the blessings that God gave you and distribute them, share them. How else 
would, that's like having a lantern and putting a shield all around it and not letting any light go out. That's like having a candle and not putting it on a candle stand for all the house to see and keeping it under a bushel, like the scripture says. That's like having a light in your life, opening it up, and yet just keeping it right here. I mean, can you imagine you're leading a group of people, you're leading your family, you have the light, you've been blessed, or you've been, you have friends, they're depending on you to see what's in front of them. You understand what I'm saying? God blesses us with understanding, wisdom, knowledge, know-how. God doesn't intend that light to be focused just on you, you know? I'm not sharing my light, man, right? I'm not sharing, right? It's my light. I prayed hard for it. I worked hard for it. I went through hell for it. Hell. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's my light. Yeah. Mine. God wants you to take the light, use it around. You can't hide God's blessings and keep them just for yourself. God wanted to put you. Can I, can I tell you something? Can I just say something to somebody? The same people that see you fail are the same people that are going to see you succeed. God intended for you to go through your problems in public. God wanted everybody to know about what was going on in your life. He didn't keep the barriers there and keep it confidential. He wanted, you know, that, that, that you'd experience the feeling of losing your former reputation so God can give you a new reputation. That's what happened to Jesus. He made himself of no reputation and became and took on the form of a servant Therefore, he was given the honor to become king of kings and the Lord of lords because God has to know how are you going to handle your trouble? How will you handle this season in your life? Because when God begins to bless you, are you still going to love him only because he blesses you? Or are you going to love him the same when you're not being blessed? Right? That's the key to having double for your trouble is that your praise doubles when you're in trouble. You love him more when you're in trouble. You keep on giving when you're in trouble. Oh, my God, I've got so many bills. I've got so many things. To, I've been there before. I've been there before. Let me tell you something. I know what it's like to live on rice and beans, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that what we ate from, for years almost is we learn how to cook chicken thighs like you wouldn't, like it's none of your business. It got so bad one time, I knew flour was cheap, and I hired an old man. I really didn't hire, hire him. I, I would pay him with meals, and I invited him over to the house to teach my wife how to make tortillas. And that's when we fell in love again. That I'm accustomed to. When I was making $8 an hour and only had, and had a baby girl who would poop like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I won't tell you which one it was, but anyhow. <laughs> Diapers can be expensive. You know, expensive. By the way, I don't know a lick of Spanish. I just act like I do. Here's what I'm telling you. 
in those moments, we, I'm going to say the, I'm going to say a bad word. Are you ready? Don't leave the church. You ready? We tithed. We gave. Whatever you want to call it. I chose to give God a tenth. I chose to. Hold on. When things went wrong, I still made it to church on time. I didn't stop giving Bible studies. I didn't stop getting involved with the community. In fact, I did it even more. Cut the churchyard all the time. Didn't expect the pastor to pay me for nothing. I was getting paid by God. I worked for him, and I saw my, my pay raise coming. But there was a day, there was a day, I said, God, is this ever going to end? I need something more. And the Lord, one day, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Things were fixing to change. He told me, I'm fixing to bless you. You've been faithful with little. Now I'm going to give you more. And I got a phone call. I got a phone call from somebody that worked for a great big, uh, 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 I'm going to say great big, because everybody wanted to go on this job. Everybody wanted to work for this company. I got a call out of nowhere. And this man called me up and said, hey, we want you to come in for an interview. I said, man, I don't have the degree. I don't have the skill. I don't know how to do this. And I was very honest with him. I tried to talk myself out of going in. But you can't even talk yourself out of it if God is determined to bless you sometimes. <laughs> Despite your ignorance. Listen, this, let, me, let me give you the Bible for that. <laughs> Abraham uh, made a mistake and chose Hagar. And out of his mistake, he still blessed Hagar, but told him, go back and now have, make some love with Sarah. God still blessed them in both ends because they had the same father, but he made his covenant with one because he had the right mother. That's another sermon, but I'm telling you, God will even bless your mistakes sometimes because we're just ignorant in that. If you don't know any better, don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to step out. Well, I walked in and I told him everything up front who I was. That boss, that, that superintendent looked at me and he said, I don't know what it is, but I like him. I knew what it was. It was favor, blessings. And not only at that moment, but for everything we went through, God just doubled my salary, and I got the job like that, and he doubled my salary for my trouble. Because in that field I was in, I went through so much trouble and persecution because I was a Christian. I worked out in the construction site. Anybody ever worked for Brown Root? Am I going to get in trouble for saying Brown Root? It's a wonderful company. <laughs> YouTube, don't take this. It's a wonderful company. But... But I, I, simply, I simply understood that every day I was persecuted, I had a chance to give God glory and give God the recognition and become a real Christian. And no one would have ever known if I was a Christian if I complied to everything that was going on. Sometimes God gives you a job and opens up a door for you in a certain area, not for you to build the job, but for the job to build you. That's a word for somebody, I'm telling you. What you're doing right now was never meant for you to build it more than it was for it to build you. Test your faith. Test your attitude. Can you comply? Can you still be a good boss like you're working for Jesus and still making the wages that you're making now? 
Because I promise you something, if you can't do that, don't expect God to bless you with something better. It's like people say all the time, you ever had anybody tell you this? If I win the lotto, Mina, I'm going to give God a million dollars. <laughs> you can't even give God a dime out of your dollar now. What makes you think you're going to give God a million? Oh, see? Man. I'm hot today. It came out of that was a Holy Ghost shot right there. It came out of nowhere. You understand what I'm saying? I'm way off track, but I'm talking to somebody. Let's move on. Ultimately, God wants you to be, God wants to use you and not just bless you. And everything you go through is for a season of next. Learn how to deal with now properly. Be a good steward of now. I don't care what trouble you're in. I don't care what struggles you have. Be the best you can be now. By the time you get to next, nothing's going to change inside of you except gratitude. Gratitude. Number two, tribulation brings elevation. Every time God's people went through trouble, especially under Pharaoh's strong hand and the taskmasters of Egypt, in the Old Testament, when they went through trouble and they took away their hay, they took away their supplies to build the martyr, to build the bricks, to build and do the construction, they multiplied. They grew. Because God's people worked better under pressure. I got some feedback and reverb up here. God's people worked better under pressure. God's people, how many of you can agree? You pray more when you're in trouble. <laughs> have you ever thought of this? Just thinking, just thinking out loud. Have you ever thought, okay, I get it. I, I figured this out a long time ago, but I want you to figure it out for yourself. Wait a minute. I pray more when I'm in trouble. I've been going through a lot of trouble. What would happen if I prayed more when I'm not in trouble? Some of you got it. it. Took me a long time to figure it out, but I. Wait a minute. I say, God, so I'm in trouble now. I'm praying more. When things are going good, I'm not praying. What would happen if I pray more? Light goes off. And then you start getting confused, like, okay, see, see, your mind talks you out of praying more because you think, wait a minute, I was taught growing up that the more you pray, the more devils you have to face. You're going to face devils on either side of the coin, I hate to tell you. But what I've learned throughout the years, you get a greater position in relationship with God. There are certain devils that won't even mess with you anymore. You walk into a room, and they, some devils, they will just go. They won't mess with you. Hell does not fear a, prayler, a prayerless Christian. I don't care how big your cross is, 2 chains. I don't care. You're not going to walk into a room with the life-size cross, scare the devil. That doesn't work. But if, you'll, if, you, if, you, if you will carry your cross in private 
and pray in private. When you walk in publicly, they won't mess with you. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He walked on the seashore of the Gadarenes, just put his foot on the beach. And as soon as he put his foot on the beach, that guy, right, legion, came, told him, the devils bowed before him and said, why have you come to trouble us? Ha-ha. Now Jesus was trouble. That's it. Your trouble can make you trouble. That's what trouble's supposed to do. Trouble's supposed to make you a threat to every one of your enemies and circumstances. Did you know that even the universe... Don't misunderstand me when I say universe. I understand where that sound of theology comes from. But the universe begins to align with the will of God in your life. And the creative part of what you saw happen in in, in Genesis begins to function properly in your life, where everything becomes aligned with God's purpose in your life through favor, through favor. And everything just starts to come. Everything just begins to open up. Everything begins to come together. Everything begins to happen because you are walking in a place of dominion and understanding and relationship where God is now orchestrating every single thing in your life. And you have now put your angels, yes, you have put your angels on assignment and they are blocking every attempt for the enemy to tackle you. Can you imagine? I love what Caleb said a moment ago. What would you do if this was the game you were watching? And you have God's blessings in your hand and God's will. And the commentator said, there he is, and here's you. And Jesus is cheering you on. And Jesus is in the goal line. And the blessing and the will of God is there. And there he is. Here comes Rivera. Rivera's coming in. He's coming to the 50. And then it comes. And then an angel of finance just began to block out debt. And there he goes into the 40. And here comes an angel of illness and sickness and disease, but there's healing power that just stopped it, and he's going to the 30, and he's going to the 20, and he's going to the 10, and he's in the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown! (laughs) You understand what I'm trying to tell you? I got tongue tied. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? You get it? Trouble, tribulation, brings elevation. Now let me explain to you this way. Here's what happens. Let's use this. Here's what happens. This is your life. Your life, everything about your life, has been about building, becoming better, becoming smarter, wiser, providing more for your family. Here's your foundation. This is your doctrine. This is what you live for. This is who you are. How many of you want to see better things in your life just for the sake of your family? Raise your hand. That's really what drives most of us. Am I correct? What drives most of us is we just want to see um, our family do well. We want our family not to lack for anything, right? I mean, but did you know that God wants that more than you do? 
Did you know that God cares about your family more than you do? How many of you got that? God cares about you more than even you do. He cares more about your business than you do. Why? Because he knows if you can ever get your heart lined up right and you realize that you're not working for somebody else or yourself, you're working for him, that you'll get it. And what he blesses you with, you'll use to bless the church and bless the kingdom and build it up and reach more people. That's half of that. I think that was maybe a sixth of you, a quarter of you. I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you realize everything you're tied to, if you'll get the heart of Jesus, that you'll tie Jesus to that, God will use that to bless his kingdom. And guess what? Who's, how is he going to bless his kingdom? Who do you think God uses to bless his kingdom? People. People. What kind of people? Giving people. Talented people. Servant people. That's the channel. You build your foundation. You begin to work. And here you are. Over time. Paid your debt. Oh my gosh. That's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. Most of the time, these all line up with each other sometimes because I'm going to say that even this right here, I'm going to say this is finance. Because most of the time when we begin to orchestrate our life, the first thing we think about more than anything else is finance. Most of the time, sometimes it's health. Then the next one, we build on it even more. Now I can afford to go buy some good groceries. Now I can buy the healthy food now, right? Now I can, then we start focusing on health. And we start building. And we think, wow, things are going great. Most of the time, people that want to succeed, they understand. They work on the very fundamental of their life. To me, this is your relationship with God. This is where, this is where God should be. Your life, your heart. Then people start focusing on finance most of the time. Where are we at within the numbers? What's our budget? Where do we need to be to be set free? Uh, I want to I do this. I want to do that. And and they reach that place where they paid the debt. They make a little bit more, so they start adding to their, and they want to better themselves physically. How many of you can read this is kind of a pattern? But at this point, here's what happens. When you're trying to do things the right way, this is the American way. You start having trouble, right? You start tr having trouble and disease hits. Sickness hits. When sickness hits, then you have to go to the doctor. It doesn't even have to be you. It can be a family member, a parent, and you have to help cover the expenses. And trust me, if people know you're blessed and you're a hard worker and you make have an income and they look at your house and your car and 
and even family relatives that aren't sick, they're going to call you up and they're going to go, hey, primo, how's it going? Man, can you loan me $100? Right? Isn't it funny when you try to do these things and try to line your life up right, somebody's coming around to try to knock down that and you get anxiety from it, you get wore out from it, and then you start affecting it. I don't care how it ties in, and this is where it starts affecting everything, and you get knocked down another level, and then you start back at where all you have left is your life. How many of you have ever been stripped of everything, it seems like, your finance, your health, and then you're stripped down to back where everything began. And the only thing hell can't take is your life. This is Job. But let me add it back on there. What I should have added on there was family first. To me, that's life too. But, but to help you comprehend a little bit more. But here's God. This is what happened when God comes in. You see, this is the goodness of God. God knows <clears throat> that you were hit in an area. So God restores you. And when God restores you, God is not going to give you back just what you had. He is not. When God restores you, God is going to give you not only a recuperation in your finance, not only a recuperation in your health, but God is going to make sure that all of these factors go out to reach the world. And then God's going to make sure that as you're reaching the world, that there's something bigger than you that's being changed. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Because your world can be limited. Your world just may consist of the people that are in your family. Your world may just be consistent of people that are in your church. Your world just may be consistent of the people that are in your city. Regardless of what that is, that first level of what you're able to start doing beyond that, because God will restore your finance, but he'll give you double to make sure that you're a level more than what you were before. He gave Job double children, double cattle, he didn't just give him back what he had before. He gave him more than before for a reason. It's almost as if God does it with interest. Well, let me explain it to you this way. God said in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, if a thief is caught... If a thief is caught, he is to return and give back seven times more. Seven, a number of perfection, perpetual redemption of more than before. But in most cases, you'll see God multiply and your world begins to expand because your influence expands and then you start reaching out more. So every time, you go through trouble and you recuperate. It's nothing more than a stepping stone to get to a higher place in God every single time. Let, let, let me explain it to you like this. Let me explain it to you like this. Did you know scholars have said that Jerusalem, come on, Haley, I'm done. Scholars have said 
that Jerusalem is actually about 20 feet higher above sea level than it was before when it was first established. Why? Because of all the wars, all the battles they have been through, how many times they had to rebuild it. Every time it was destroyed, they had to rebuild on top of that destruction. And so as they built on top of it in certain places in Jerusalem, all it did was elevate them. God wants to bring you to a higher place. Never look at a problem and say, oh my God, it's over. No, it's not over. It's just beginning. God has something great. I can't tell you how many things I can tell you that in my family we have been through together. And now I look back and all I can know, all I know is this. This is all I know is that we started off right here. Well, let me just, we started off here. Back there, you can see me. Can you see me? We started off here. Then one day we ended up here. It's all over. Ministry's over, man. I want to move. Hey, Victoria. Don't act like you've never said it. Let's move someplace where nobody knows us. Right? But God said that. If that's what you're going to do, you're going to do that the rest of your life. You can't run from it. You have to face it. So we said, okay, God, we're going to seek you. And we ended up here, and God brought us more connections, more friends, restoration, forgiveness in our heart, love. God, our finances, God, they went down so that's okay because I'm going to praise you at this level. I'm going to worship you at this level. Now I realize that I have one or two choices. I'm going to abandon ship or I'm going to stay on the ship. And no matter if it crashes, no matter if it hits and, 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 does, and it shipwrecks, I'm going to still be saved and everybody on my ship. So I'm in it for the long haul. So here I am, God. Sink or swim, I'm in. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for to be uh, super popular or be the best of the best. Right? Everybody wants to be the best of the best. Jesus is the best of the best. And I don't care. Then I found God and he looked at our life and he began to say, you know what? I now see. I now see. I know what you're about. I can trust you with more. Guess what? I'm fixing to pour blessing on us. I'm fixing to pour out the heavens. And now you get it, you make up your mind in this place and you start thinking, well, praise God. We feel good. Finances are good. Things are happening. But you were never meant to be there. God now wants you to reach out to your world and take another step. Now that you're blessed, pour out of those blessings. Reach out to your small world around you. Then once you create influence there, then those people that you are influencing and helping, now they'll influence other people too. And that influence goes way beyond you. 
It's all in levels. See, for you business owners, let me explain to you the mission of God in your life. To all the entrepreneurs, I'm going to tell you what your purpose is. Your purpose is not to become rich. Your purpose is to put other people to work so God can provide a living for their family and so they can start blessing other people and for you to train them to build another business and to do whatever needs to happen next. The same concept happens in church. We're supposed to train up people, raise disciples, train them, send them out for ministry. If there are people that have pastoral callings, then we help them start a church also. Then they multiply. That's our calling, to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a quote, and this is what the Lord spoke to me to speak to somebody. I know it's simple, but my brother used to tell me this all the time. Are you ready? Here it is. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. You're only going to grow through adversity. Embrace it. You're only going to grow through problems. Embrace it. You're only going to grow if you comply and give God this present. Give God the, the glory. And if you'll keep and intensify your prayer life when things are good and when things are bad, and God can see that you're constant, God can trust you. But no pain, no gain. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.